past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. This is your host, Marie Zimanoff, and we're excited to have you here today as we are here to give you the tools and resources that you need to take control of your own career. And we have a great guest today to give you some perspective on interviewing from a recruiter's point of view. And Stephen, you know, I know that we're in this unprecedented time, so I'm excited that you're here to join us and help those job seekers and other professionals that might be wondering how they're going to manage their careers here during this time. So Stephen is joining us from his perspective as a coach and also as a recruiter to talk with us about our uh, interviewing and how can we be as successful as possible in our interviews. And Stephen, you know, you've done this from both sides of the desk, both as a coach and a recruiter. So we're excited to have your perspective. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Marie. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Now, just before we dive into the topic of interviewing, I think it's important to just acknowledge that although things have slowed down, there are still companies interviewing, and I, I'm sure you're seeing it too, and and we're seeing companies still interviewing, right? Very much so. It has um, taken a kind of a detour, but almost every interview right now is virtual, and positions need to be filled so uh, there has been a slowdown, a quick turnaround, and yes, there's many, many open positions that I'm personally recruiting for and that I'm working with hiring managers on trying to help them fill positions. So, yes. Give us a little bit of a snapshot. What types of positions are you looking to fill right now or what types of organizations are you seeing looking for people right now? Well, one of the biggest hiring companies right now is Amazon. Um, you know, the home delivery side is, is experiencing um, exponential growth. Me personally, uh, I'm focused more on technology recruiting and I work with companies in many different industries, primarily financial services, marketing, advertising, life sciences, biotech, advertising, PR, and those companies are all hiring not only in technology but uh, in in a lot of different divisions from uh, entry-level recent grads up to mid-level to senior level. But most of my jobs really are in development, um, front-end and back-end application development and architecture positions. Uh, Companies like Amazon are also hiring in technology for AWS. Microsoft is hiring a lot of technologists as well. So I would encourage all your listeners, Marie, to not be discouraged and don't believe everything that is read or spoken. Uh, The the truth lies somewhere between the spoken word and and the, the printed word. There are many, many open positions out there. Yeah, that's so comforting for people to hear. And it 
it may require a shift, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in terms of interviewing when we're career changing, but there are things out there. And as you said, most interviewers, most interviews are help happening virtually today, but all of the things that we're going to talk about will apply to a virtual interview. We'll talk a little bit about that specifically, but we're going to start with just some more general. Tell me what you think is the biggest issue that results in someone getting an offer or not what is that number one thing well that is the real crux of the hiring side what is it and what's it about for someone to receive an offer over someone else Uh, I've learned this over 20 years uh, being a recruiter Marie and uh, I fill over 90% of the positions I work on I certainly don't work on every job rec that I receive from a manager. I only recruit for positions that I am very confident in being able to fill. It really comes down to two things. Can the person explain credibly that they have the skills, the knowledge, and experience to do the job that they're interviewing for? And equally as important, if not in many cases more important, will the person fit in the culture of the manager, the team, and the company's culture? Because I recruit, I narrow candidates down from 20 to 10 to 5, and I usually submit my best three. And uh, two out of three usually have 85 to 95% of the requirements in the job. If I have someone who has exceptional communication skills, where I can get a feeling that not only I I'm on the same wavelength that they are, but I can visualize them bonding with a recruiter and a hiring manager. I will submit them and more times than not, they'll receive the offer over more qualified people in many, many cases. It's not a matter of interviewing and telling managers what you do. It's a matter of being judged on how well you do your job because job seekers are judged on how they describe what they do. Please think about what that means. Recruiters like myself, when I was trained a long time ago, I was trained to qualify and disqualify. Just like every recruiter, recruiters today are working on 10, 20, 30 different jobs Monday through Friday. We are trained to eliminate people, not to find reasons to qualify people. So the first step, whether we're in the situation that we're in today or normal life within 30 seconds to a minute on a phone screen recruiters are deciding is this person going to go to the next level or are they toast and I'm going to tell them they sound great and we'll get back to them and we just go on to someone else that's what it takes it's a matter of elevating someone's candidacy over everyone else by the way they communicate by how well they describe what they do Right, and this is something that um, job seekers often struggle with because they think the interview is about showing the person that they're qualified, and in some ways it is, but it's not in the same sense as your resume, right? Your resume says, can you do the job or not? And then as you're saying, the interview says, how do you do the job? Are you going to be a fit here? Can you articulate it in a way that I can see you're going to be able to jump in tomorrow and, and do this job for me? Well said, because the only purpose their resume has is to get you the interview. The first question I usually ask people, and many, many interviewers ask this question, 
tell me about yourself. And we're going to get to that. That's the elevator pitch. And if someone just rattles off their resume, everyone knows what's on their resume. That got them in front of the decision makers. When someone asks, well, why do you think you're a good fit? Or tell me about yourself. Or what are you looking for at this point in your career? You want to be able to tell a story. Because if your listeners don't remember anything about what I'm saying, please remember that interviewing is storytelling. You're telling a story. And a story is broken down into three parts, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Most people give TMI in the middle. The two most important parts of a story are the beginning and the ending, because the beginning is going to capture someone's attention, and the ending is going to have you be remembered by what you're saying. If someone speaks too much during the middle, the beginning and the ending are a distant memory. Right. Yeah, we don't have that leave leave behind memorable quality when the story doesn't flow and have a punch and be fast enough, right? I always coach my clients that, especially to tell me about yourself, your answer is like 90 seconds, minute and a half. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. I would say 20 to 30 seconds. Okay. So tell me a little bit I'm not about agreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. Everyone has a different style, but if you right. take sixty to ninety seconds and still captivate someone's attention, beautiful. It'll work. Yeah, I'd have to practice that. I don't know that I could tell a story in twenty seconds. I'd have to work on that. But <laughs> most people are <laughs> doing sure four minutes, so we're doing good to get them down to sixty seconds. Um, <laughs> okay. I was working, actually just working with a client with that recently, and it wasn't tell me about yourself, but it was some other answer that they were answering, and I was like, you know, that was probably about three minutes long. If you could get it down to one minute or a minute and a half, you'd be doing a lot better. So um, I'll have to keep pushing my clients to get there. So tell me a little bit about, let's back up just for a minute, and what are your top tips for people in terms of getting that interview? Well, th- that's something that I provide a lot of coaching for, uh, how to get the interview. There are two ways to get interviews. You can be reactive and you can be proactive. And as a coach, I, I customize plans for each person's personality skill sets and requirements but the simple answer how does someone get interviews have a roadmap have a plan looking for a job is a job if you're working you have a new new job it's job seeking if you're not working every day when you wake up I recommend very strongly create an Excel spreadsheet and make a list of companies you want to work for Now, what I mean by reactive, according to the United States Department of Labor, they interviewed two groups of people, one people looking for jobs, second group were a group of people that received offers recently. And they posed one question. People that were looking for jobs, they asked how many have received responses from applications from job postings? 2% 
two out of 100 indicated they heard anything when they were trying to get an interview and they applied online. The second group were people that received offers and the question was, how did you receive your job offer? And 70%, and I believe, in in addition to not myself, but my clients even believe the number is higher than 70%, they indicated they received their offers by networking. And networking doesn't mean calling people and asking them to help. That's not networking. So how do you get an offer? You can be reactive. And that means applying to jobs. And it also means responding to recruiters like me who might see someone's profile on LinkedIn where any good recruiter lives every minute of every day trying to find the best talent out there. And the recruiters don't care so much about what someone's goals are. They care more about filling their jobs. But that's a great method to practice interviewing. And it's also an excellent method to receive offers. But being proactive, again, seven out of 10 people receiving offers, that's the way to go. So having a roadmap for either way, proactive roadmap, reactive roadmap. And there's more detail. I don't want to spend too much time on that, but if someone can make a list of companies they'd want to work for and then do some research on LinkedIn and find potential hiring managers that could possibly hire them, and reach out to them without a message asking for help, but a creative message encouraging them to apply or reply uh, would be very, very beneficial. It works significantly better than just job applications. Yeah, good. Well, and we, we've talked a lot about that on this show. It's, I think every career coach preaching the same thing, get that list of target companies and, and make connections, figure out how to get your, get your resume to someone before they even post a job. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, dive a little deeper into interviewing and how to prepare for a virtual interview and answering some of those tough questions. So we'll be right back here on the career confidant. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. 
are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're talking with Stephen Davis, Renaissance Solutions, about interviewing. And uh, Stephen's been on both sides, both as a recruiter hiring people and as a coach helping people who are interviewing. So you've been sharing with us, Stephen, some of the top things that people should be thinking about, what are recruiters looking for, and a little bit about how to get that interview. So let's dive into one of the hot topics right now, which is virtual interviews. What is the best way for someone to prepare for a virtual interview? The best way to prepare, Marie, is the same way to prepare for an in-person interview. And it's no different than trying to become more well-versed in any skill set. It's practice. So what I would recommend, well, first of all, it's important, unless someone has nerves of steel, it's important to realize that you're going to be nervous. And the biggest mistake that I encounter is people know they're nervous and they lose their trend of thoughts. They lose their organization. They lose their continuity. And practice overcomes that. It will not remove it, but it will certainly minimize it. And I think the best way to become better at virtual interviewing, which is now prevalent all over the world, not just all over this country, is to have a family member or a friend work with you, have them call you, have them FaceTime you, have them do a video call with you, ask them to ask you questions that you're nervous about answering. And before you have the call, go over those questions, write down the answers you think would be best to respond to those questions. And you can record the call, you can do it on Skype or you can Zoom it or whatever you're doing, FaceTime, you can record. and. Dress as if you were in person. Behave if you were there in person. And this sounds corny, but it's so helpful. Smile. The biggest mistake people make when they're on phone interviews or video interviews is they don't even think about smiling. When someone smiles, their entire energy level changes. It's subliminal and it's powerful. So the best way is practice. And there are tons of questions to practice from. Marie, we're gonna get into a few questions that I believe are extremely challenging and almost confrontational. Um, Anyone that has a computer can practice the most difficult questions. Have a family member or a friend or a colleague just practice 10 minutes a day or, or 20 minutes two or three times a week, and it will help. Yeah, so let's go there. What are two or three of the toughest questions that people should be ready for? Well, I'm happy to get into that, but just to establish a foundation here, these questions that are challenging are 
behavioral questions. And I know you know this, but interviewers always have their antennas tuned to a station. It's WIFM. It's what's in it for me. And that's what they're looking to hear. So the questions are behavioral in order for the interviewers to determine what kind of a personality the candidate really is. So one question that is most feared by many people and that I ask frequently, and a lot of hiring managers ask this all the time, so tell me, what's your greatest weakness? Now, that question is asked for two reasons, to immediately disqualify someone or to try to understand how the person thinks. It's emotional intelligence. And EQ is a driver during virtual interviews and face-to-face interviews. As I mentioned earlier, someone can have all the skills and the knowledge and the education and the experience and may lose the offer to someone who has impressive EQ. So what's your greatest weakness? I'll give you an example of an answer if I can. In my past, and please pay attention to the tense, I was unable to meet deadlines. It was an issue that I had. However, years ago when I realized that, I worked on a technique where I decided to write down what I planned to get done every hour of every day, five days a week, and how I spend, how I really plan to spend my time. And after doing that day after day, week after week, month after month, I have seen that my productivity has improved dramatically. In fact, my manager recently complimented me on my performance improvement. So what's my greatest weakness? It's that the secret is identifying a weakness and and illuminating the interviewer's view of that weakness in the sense that you understood it, you reacted it, and you've corrected it. Maybe it's certainly, it could not be a 100% strength now, but it's certainly better than it was. Right. Yeah. It's so important. The story, as you were saying earlier, you were even answering that question with a story. Um, it's interesting. So I, people start to figure this out, right? Interviewers, and they start to ask the questions differently. I had a client once who was asked, what's your greatest character flaw? And <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you don't get, you can't usually, you can't really spin that the same way. I don't remember what he said. It wasn't a good answer. Like when he told me that that's what he answered, I kind of looked at him and he went, yeah, that didn't work, did it? <laughs> um, but, you know, it. people are getting savvy. And if you've got a good um, answer to to your weaknesses, you'll probably be able to answer most forms of the question. I think you're right. And and that leads me to another question. You just reminded me, I wasn't even planning on talking about this one, but hey, tell me about a time when you tried something and you failed. Mm, Yeah. And people just choke up when they hear that. It's really important. There's no one that's perfect out there. Marie, if you ever meet anyone that's perfect, would you share my email address with me? There's no one out there like this. Nobody wins all the time. So 
tell me about a time when you failed. The reason that question is asked is because people want to understand how you learn from a situation that didn't go the way you wanted it to. And a hiring manager asked this of one of my candidates when I was sitting in during the meeting, during the interview, because a lot of managers will allow me to do that. And I just froze when I heard the question. But, you know, when you think about failure, it comes in so many different forms. It could be taking the wrong action or forgetting something or not doing enough to, you know, to provide a solution or maybe taking an action too soon. Maybe you hire someone and the person didn't work out. It's a matter of talking about the lesson that you learned from the mistake, not the mistake. So tell me about a time when you failed. Talk about a failure, but the managers and the decision makers and the offer providers want to know, what did you learn from it? Yeah. Yeah, that's the big piece of it. And, you know, things happen. We all have something that goes wrong. And you also want to practice that ahead of time, as you've said, so that you know where the story's going and you don't tell a story that makes, as you were saying earlier, makes it easy for a recruiter to disqualify you. Exactly. Can I give you one more question? Yes, please do. Thank you. Another question, I never would have thought of this one. Um, I ask very similar questions when I'm interviewing candidates as a recruiter, but a manager just outright asked one of my candidates, why should we hire you? Why you? And I started to do research online, just looking for answers that are out there from people that have been on interviews. And it really blew my mind. There is a quarterback in the NFL, his name is Johnny Manziel, and he was interviewing for the Cleveland Browns football team. And he indicated, and this is all online, that he wanted the job badly. And the president of the team asked him, why do you want to be on Cleveland Browns? And I wrote this down, I copied this and pasted it. These are his words. I applied for this job because this is the company I really want to work for, not because I need a job. When someone comes to a company that they really want to work for, they invest more of their energy and time into their career. You should choose me because I made this company my first choice. Wow. What an answer that is. That is indicative of emotional intelligence. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and uh, that's uh, as we get into this phase now where people may be desperate for work, it's always hard to have that mindset shift that you can't be desperate, right? Nobody wants to date someone who's desperate. Nobody wants to hire someone who's (laughs) desperate. We have to figure out a way to make those connections. And you don't really want to work anywhere. I used to work in Fort Collins, Colorado, and Greeley, Colorado has one of the biggest slaughterhouses for cattle in the country. Mm. And people would say that to me, oh, Marie, I just need a job. I'll do anything. And I said, you know, I've got a friend that hires over at this company. They could get you a job on the kill floor tomorrow. And they'd look at me like, 
right? No way. Yes, we all have things that we're looking for. We all, we all have real criteria for the jobs that we're seeking. So we make those connections, find those things that actually you do want to do, right? Companies you do want to work for. Exactly, exactly. And it's really important to you know consider EQ because that's most of the coaching that I do for J.P. Morgan as a leadership coach. And if I can, there are just quickly five parts of emotional intelligence, and they're all relevant to getting offers. Self-awareness is the first thing, like how self-aware is someone? Second is how is someone able to control their emotions? Looking for a job is emotional. It's impulsive. So how is this person controlling their emotions? And then motivation. People that have high degrees of emotional intelligence are usually very motivated. And then empathy, being empathetic, especially today. If you're not empathetic, you're almost a robot. And last but not least is social skills. How easy is it for you to talk with people and like people and have people like you? When people are preparing for interviews, Marie, they may not even think this way. But this is how hiring managers decide who to give offers to because you know better than most people that if someone is extending an offer to a candidate and that person doesn't work out in three months, that person is going to be called into their manager's office and be questioned, why did you offer the position to this person? Right. Yeah, that emotional intelligence is is a deal breaker and it's going to show up through the interview based on how much you've prepared. We're all nervous and if we aren't prepared, even if we are emotionally intelligent, it's not going to show through. So that that's so critical. Stephen, you've been so helpful today. If you could share with listeners how they can find you, how they can connect to you. Thank you very much, Marie, for having me. I would really enjoy connecting with your listeners. The best and easiest way is on LinkedIn. Uh, just do a search, Stephen Davis, Renaissance Solutions Incorporated. Uh, happy to share my email. It's my first name, Stephen, with a V, dot Davis, D-A-V-I-S, at renaissance-sol.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again. And listeners, if you're joining us today, you know that we were, we're going to say goodbye to Stephen, but I'll be back to give you some more insights and drill a little bit deeper. And we will be right back here on The Career Confidant. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. 
Today, we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello, and welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today, we were talking with Stephen Davis, recruiter and coach about interviewing, and you know, we were talking about some of the commonly asked questions and how to answer them. I think it's important when you go into an interview to realize that there are a lot of different types of interviewers, and most of them are going to be nervous, just like you are, especially if they don't do this every day. And they also may not really know why they're asking a question. It might just be a list of questions that their HR department told them to ask, or if they're a small company, it might be a list of questions they researched online, and they may have some idea, but maybe not always understand what they're looking for. Stephen said at the beginning of his interview that interviewing is really about storytelling. This is key to every single question you answer during the interview that you've got a story. So he talked about weaknesses and the story behind that, where it's that kind of before and after. So I didn't do this well, here's what I learned, here's what I've been working on, and now I do it better. And if you kind of pick apart the pieces of his answer, it was that this was the past. So in the past, I wasn't great at hitting deadlines. This is the process. So now I've learned how to do this, or I've figured out this system, something systematic, learned, practiced is always nice because it shows the real development to get better at whatever it is that was your weakness. And then the present is all about the win, proving that you're actually good at it now. So he said, my boss recently commended me, commended me for doing this well. Past process and then some kind of win or proof of doing it well now. So when we think about any question that someone answers, we might be best off of telling the answer in a story because it makes people connect to us a little bit more. So you think about those stories, you know, what type of animal would you be? What type of, most of the time people ask those questions because they don't really know what they're doing. Uh, sometimes they might think there's some deeper meaning behind what they're asking, but it's really about, can you think on your feet? Can you tell a story? And can you be authentic and not have to be so perfect? 
Now, here's the kicker, the secret to looking authentic and flexible and telling a good story with good articulation is practice. People always think that, oh, if I practice a story, it'll sound rehearsed. No, if you don't practice a story, it will either go off the rails or sound rehearsed because you practiced it just enough for it to sound rehearsed, but not enough for it to sound natural. When you hear a great speaker They have practiced that speech a million times. They are not talking off the cuff. They have practiced that exact speech, word for word, a million times. And then what that allows you to do is be extemporaneous in the delivery because you know it that well. And it comes off as being natural because you've practiced it that much. When a speaker talks and they sound like they're reading or they sound rehearsed, it's actually because they didn't practice enough. I think one, one of the big myths I hear in job search interview is that if I write my story out or practice it, it will sound rehearsed. No. If you practice it and practice it and practice it, it will not sound rehearsed. It will be something that you can be flexible with because you'll know it so well that you can adapt it, change it, help it answer the exact question that you're asked, etc. Now, what happens when you don't practice a story is that it can go off the rails. And this is way worse than sounding rehearsed most of the time. Because here's what happens. A interviewer asks you about a time that you had a disagreement with a coworker or a boss and you start telling the story and you realize about halfway into the story that this story actually ends with you being fired. What do you do? Well, this happened to one of my clients. They got asked that question. They weren't prepared for it because we hadn't done interview coaching yet and started telling the story and realized that that particular story they were telling ended with them getting fired. So I asked my client, I said, what did you do? And he said, I just kept telling the story. And when I get got done, you could hear a pin drop. It was excruciating silence in the interview room. Oops. That's what happens when you don't prepare and you don't practice. You want a story that's true, that's authentic, that you can tell easily and that demonstrates what you want to demonstrate. So he needed a story of getting in a disagreement with a boss or a coworker that ended well, right? That had a good resolution, that had them collaborating afterwards. And I'm sure he had many of those because he was a great, he actually had a lot of emotional intelligence. He was a great worker, great communicator, good leader. He just hadn't thought through the answer to that question. It caught him off guard. And so started telling a story that didn't end well. So when you think about preparation for an interview, that's the reason that you're preparing is so that when you get in the, the situation, you have stories on your brain, well rehearsed, that you can adapt to answer the question. I usually tell people to come up with two or three negative stories. So a time you didn't make a deadline, 
and it's not acceptable to say you've never done it. You have to have a story, either of a time that it almost happened and what did you do to avoid it, etc. A time you had a disagreement, a difficult customer, the negatives are going to depend a little bit on the type of job that you're applying to. It's not rocket science to sit down and look at a job and say, okay, these are the skills that they're looking for, and then look at the list of typically asked questions and think, okay, these questions get at the skills that this job is going to be looking for. So you have two or three kind of negative stories, those questions that they ask where they're trying to see if you can overcome adversity, what's your greatest weakness, and then five or so positive stories, your greatest achievements, your wins, um, when you've solved a problem, all of those excellent behavioral questions that you can find lists of if you have five positive stories two or three negative kind of overcome the obstacle stories you're going to be well set to answer questions in the interview with a story now you don't just want to answer the tell me about your weaknesses story question with a story. You also want to answer the tell me about your strengths with a story. If not, it starts sounding like a laundry list or a personal ad and it just doesn't stick. So tell me about your strengths. Well, I'm strategic and I love to gather ideas and you know, blah, blah, blah. You've lost people. If you have a story, you know, I tend to be so strategic that I, I think about things way way before they happen. In fact, one time at my company, I could see that this was going to happen. And so I developed the strategy to solve the problem, even before a lot of my coworkers had realized that the problem was coming down the pike. Whatever that might be, you need a story. And you can have a little list. So a few things. Awesome if the story demonstrates a few of those things and not just one. But it's so much more powerful when you can have a story that illustrates that because then people remember that strength. Even if the story is only around one strength, they're going to remember that strength. Whereas if you have a laundry list, they're not going to remember anything that you said probably to answer that question. Stories engage people. They bring imagery. They can bring a little bit of intrigue, which before should set up some kind of challenge, if you will, some some kind of um, context. The middle is your action. And as Stephen so well said, people get way too much into the actions. They're not what's important, even though you might think, oh, that's how I demonstrate my skills. Remember, your skills have already been decided to be good based on the resume, So we need that context, the challenge, the kind of sex appeal of the story, and then the result. What happened? How did you make it work? How did you figure it out? That's the, those are the parts of the story that people will remember. We're going to take another short break. And when we come back, we'll tie a little bow around this and give you some things to walk away with as you're looking forward to practicing and interviewing, hopefully in the near future. We'll be right back on The Career Confidant in just a few minutes.
business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about interviewing and how to prepare for and ace that interview. As we started at the very beginning of the show, just reminding you and ourselves that companies are still hiring. Business is still going on, albeit virtually and and perhaps at a reduced rate for some industries. And our ability to pivot, to transition, to find ways to connect the dots. And that was really Stephen's message at the very beginning of the show, is that it's our job to connect the dots and show that we have those qualifications. He said that he's picking candidates that have 85 to 90% of the qualifications for a position. That does not mean that we have to have done that exact job in the past. It does mean that we have to become experts at connecting those dots between this is what I did in my past work and this is how it's the same as what you're asking for in this future work. That's our job as candidates. That's one of the main things that my coach colleagues help clients with because it's more challenging when you're making that transition. But even if you're not making a transition or not making that much of a transition, this is this is your own your job. This is what's on you is to make those connections and make it obvious to the employer that you have the exact skills and experience that they're looking for, even if it might be in a different industry or in a slightly different position. That's our goal in interviewing. And if you know what questions they're going to ask, which again, you think about what skills are they looking for in this position, you can 
get pretty close to determining what questions they'll ask. You can use a system like Glassdoor, and a lot of times when companies Glassdoor reviews, people will share some of the interview questions that they ask. That's a great way to, to do your research. Talk to people who work there, if, if you can, people who used to work there. But really, it's just figuring out what skills are they looking for and how can I speak to how I've demonstrated those skills in the past in a way that makes it obvious how those skills would apply in the future. That's our goal when we're interviewing. And then to be ready to introduce ourselves. So as Stephen was saying, tell me about yourself I always encourage people to think about tell me about yourself in the framework of tell me about yourself and why you want to work here. So it's a, perhaps a brief history, what's going on now, and then where you see yourself in the future. That's the three sections that I like to come up with around it, past, present, and future, all connected to the specific role that you're applying to. So the past that you talk about is what's related to that position. It's a highlight, it's an overview. It is not a narrative of your resume. It's the quick points that share, you know, this is what I'm interested in, specific to that company, specific to that position, so that you're really connecting those dots as uh, as Stephen was giving his example of Johnny Manziel, right? Be that person who specifically talks to that company why you want to work there and you will stand out because so many people haven't thought about that and then of course why should they hire you you've got to be ready to toot your own horn how will you make a difference for them what's in it for me is what they're looking for how will you make a difference for them how will you be the answer to their their prayers to their challenges to their concerns and how can you do your research enough to figure that out, know what their concerns are, know what they're looking for, and devise your answers, devise your answers, especially to those more general questions, to speak directly to their pains, to their needs. And as we go into the season where perhaps we will be challenged individually to need a job and you know everyone needs a job everyone needs money but no one wants to hire someone that just needs a job they want to know that you that you care about that job and that's not that hard to do you can connect the dots you can think about why you want to work there what is it about that company what is it about what they're doing um, that you can make a difference you can you can do what what works for you there um, and phrase it in a way that makes them excited to bring you onto the team. Then when you think about should I or should I not negotiate salary, people start, when we get into these uh, times of the economy where we think, oh, you know, unemployment's up and there's a lot of competition, I can't negotiate. There were more applicants for every job in 2016, 2017 than there were in 2009, 2010. When there is a good economy, there is actually just as much, 
if not more, competition for every job. So even though you might have thought that, oh, I had more power when the economy was better, that maybe there were less people applying for jobs, etc. The data doesn't really support that in general. Of course, industries are different, locations are different, but in general, there have been just as many people applying for each job even after we got out of the recession. So just because there are a lot of people who may be joining you, hopefully not, but in the the world of unemployment for a short bit, it doesn't mean that you have no power to negotiate. Employers expect you to negotiate. Yes, you want to do it in a way that is respectful and collaborative. You don't want to negotiate until you have an offer. So when they ask you about salary up front, asking the position's range, sharing that you are happy to talk about that after you decided that I'm the right person for the position. There's a lot of other ways that you can dodge the question, if you will, until you're offered a position. And then you want to negotiate collaboratively. How can we work together to come closer to X? Please don't miss out on the opportunity to maximize your income and to show your emotional and business intelligence by having this conversation. It shows that you're prepared. It shows that you know how to have a difficult conversation when you don't shy away from negotiating. And I'll have people that say, oh, Marie, it's a state job. I've had clients negotiate in a state job. They usually post a range, a salary range. And when they give you that offer, you'll know hey, they offered me in the middle of the range because of X, Y, or Z. I'd like to work closer, work together to get closer to the top of the range. And they're adults. You have the conversation. Always want to have it. Well, not always, if at all possible. Don't do this via email. Do it over the phone. Do it in a way that is, allows you to collaborate and work towards the best situation for everyone. Happy interviewing. Happy virtual interviewing. Practice, practice, practice. Hop on that video as much as possible so it's not strange when you see yourself on, and, and the other person on video. You know, Get on with your friends and your family and um, not necessarily to interview prep, but just to get yourself used to being on video and that's how interviews are going to be done for the near future and uh, probably even beyond that now that companies will have figured out how to do it. So we look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant with another great guest talking more about how you can take control of your own career and succeed in your career path. We'll see you right here next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.